Welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on Refuge Church, or to learn how you can give to this ministry, visit refugejacks.church. Good morning. Uh, If you're not still in James chapter 1, go ahead and turn there. Uh, I would say that today is one of the easiest and hardest things for me to preach. Easy because I'm very passionate. Um, My wife and I, uh, man, from when we first uh, got married, we just knew that adoption and foster care would be a part of our lives, our our, calling, you might want to use that word. And um, So it's easy in the text of, I'm just really passionate about this. Okay, I could talk about it for hours. It's hard in that I just want to tell you stuff, and it'll be hard to stick to the text. That's just kind of where I'll struggle. And so I just want you to know, so one of the blessings and encouragements uh, from our very, very, very young church is the amount of families um, who have felt the calling to become foster parents or foster families. We've already got in our church five or six families who are already, uh, man, fostering uh, actively in that process and a few that are seeking, seeking that out. And that's such an encouraging thing to me, seeing um, in faith that needs to be activated. Um, and I pray that this will always be true of refuge, uh, that, I, that this will be a church that will be a refuge or if you don't know what refuge means, a shield and will offer protection, restoration, and most of all, salvation to children who are hurting and in need and have no knowledge of who Jesus is. That's our prayer, man. That's what we want to be about here, um, and, and uh, that's who we will be. Uh, so James 1, we're really going to look at one verse this morning, uh, verse 27. I read it earlier. I'll read it again now. It says, uh, religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this. To visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. He gives three things. He says, visit the orphan, visit the widow, which gets missed so quickly, and to keep oneself unstained from the world or to keep oneself holy or or pure. And so we're really going to talk about, uh, we'll come back to the other two things, but we're really going to talk about the orphan today. In Russian folklore, uh, there's a word or a phrase, and I'm going to butcher it in pronouncing it, but the word or the phrase is yoradivi. Yoradivi. It's translated in English. It means the holy fool. Holy fool. So if you're writing down notes today, you might want to write the term holy fool. Now, if you don't use the word fool in your house, um, I'm sorry. The Holy Fool is a social misfit. He's eccentric, sometimes off-putting, passionate, and even called crazy. The Holy Fool is this way because he has access to the truth. The Holy Fool is a truth teller because he's an outcast, and an outcast because he is a truth teller. He looks different than those around him. Every culture has its version of the Holy Fool. In Hans Christian Andersen's famous children's work, The Emperor's New Clothes, you might know this story. The king walks down the street, and what he is told is a magical outfit. No one says a word except a small boy who cries out, Look at the king. He's not wearing anything at all. The little boy in the story is an example of a holy fool. The tailors lied to the king. His royal court wouldn't tell him the truth. And adults said nothing for fear of being ostracized, but the little boy didn't care. Here's here's the point. 
the church is in great need of holy fools. Christians who will forsake convenience, comfort, entertainment, and status for true religion as defined in James chapter 1. Even at the cost of being seen as crazy, foolish, off-putting, and losing their place in social hierarchies. Holy fools are the ones who proclaim with a loud voice. Maybe all our big homes, big cars, and nice, happy lives weren't given to us for our happiness, but for the kingdom and for the gospel. And this morning, I would like to encourage you and ask you to consider becoming a holy fool for orphans. Today is Stand Sunday. Stand Sunday is a Sunday where we ask you to, to stand with others to defend and care and support the abused, the abandoned, the neglected children in our community. Here's the thing that just so resonates with me. I don't, there, there, are, there are thousands across our country of children in foster care, and I think one of the things Christians need to take note of, and it needs to be really big on our brains, is I think foster care has got to be one of the most primary unreached people groups that we can reach out and touch if we'd just be willing to. They are unreached by the gospel, and they are literally in our backyard. James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. True religion, James is saying, is not participating in superficial pious activity. But David Platt has said it this way, true religion consists of just and consistent demonstrations of supernatural selfless love. True religion is, is about giving. It's about surrendering. And he says what? Visit the orphan and the widow. The word visit, I want you to take notice of this word visit here, is used in the New Testament to describe how God himself visits his people to help them, to strengthen them and to encourage them. It's more than a hello to a child or a person on the street. It's more than that. It means to seek them out with deep concern for their well-being and having a clear commitment to take care of their needs. So don't read that word visit as, I visited my neighbor yesterday or I'm going to pay my friends a visit. But see that word visit as, 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 as it's defined as God himself visiting his people to meet needs that they can't meet on their own. And then it says, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We cannot separate loving and visiting the orphan and widow and keeping ourselves unstained from the world. James is literally talking about prioritizing our life. That a life that is counter-cultural. That what do you prioritize? Do you prioritize gain for yourself, happiness for yourself, or are you willing to say no to those things to fulfill the call of true religion? True religion is about, true religion is to be the family to those who have lost family. This is foster care in essence. To be family to those who have lost family, whether permanently or for a time. And I want you to see that all through Scripture, God has something to say about the orphan. Deuteronomy 10.18 says, He executes justice of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. Psalm 68.5 says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Exodus 22.22 says, You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. Isaiah 117 says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's case. God is father to the fatherless and calls us to act on his behalf. Now, I'm not big on statistics, but in the U.S. today, I'll give you a few. A child enters foster care every two minutes. 
More than 16,000 children are removed in Florida from their homes each year due to abandonment, abuse, or neglect. And more than 23,000 children will age out of foster care every year in our nation. And 20% of that will become homeless instantly. And combined Duval and St. John's County, right now there are around 1,100 children who are in need of a foster home. And, and, and this probably goes without saying, but adopted teens tend to struggle the most. Adopted teens who have spent a significant amount of time in foster care are four times more likely to commit suicide. There's, there's a problem literally in our backyard with an unreached people group, and God is calling his church to do something about it. John Piper wrote a book in a sermon a long time ago, and he said about missions. He said about going on mission trips and believing in missions. He said, go send or disobey. I believe in the case of foster care, we might say foster, serve, or disobey. In the case of the orphan, the church has the right, the resources, and the resolve to make a difference. So what I want to do is I want to cast vision today for what this looks like. Because you may be thinking, well, I can't do this. And I, maybe you can't. Maybe there's a legitimate reason why you, why you cannot. And that, that would be okay. But the question is, what can you do? We're so quick to go, what I can't do. Maybe the question this morning is, what is God calling me to do? That's, that's the question. Because I'll say this, man. On a Tuesday night when we've had four kinds of therapy that day specifically, and things are falling apart in our home, and somebody shows up with a pan of baked spaghetti, that is a game changer in my home. And that, that may sound funny, but man, these kinds of acts of love and service help foster families to make it to the next day during challenging weeks. So I'd love for you to write this down. The church has the right, the resources, and the resolve to make a difference. This isn't today about, oh my gosh, I'm not doing anything. This is about, man, what am I supposed to do? But the church has three R's, the right, the resources, and the resolve to make a difference. The church has the right meant to redeem because we know the Redeemer. First and foremost, we know the Redeemer. We have been redeemed by Christ, and we want them to be redeemed by Christ, and therefore we have the right meant to the redeem. Number two, the church has the resources to redeem. Look around. Look at our homes. Look at our vehicles. Look in our cupboards. Look at what God has already given us. I heard of a um, story recently of a, of a family... Um, in uh, another county, not far from here, um, they had six kids, three adopted through foster care. They took on two more, but their car was too small. They walked outside the next morning, and there was a new transit van sitting in their driveway. Somebody that couldn't foster bought a van. Like, where, where has God placed you there? Can you bake spaghetti? Can you buy a van somewhere in between, right? Number three, the church has the resolve to redeem. Men, community, family coming together to share the struggles, needs, and brokenness of children in foster care. One of the misconceptions of foster care is that, and you'll hear this phrase a lot, um, are you fostering to adopt, is the phrase. Foster care and adoption are not the same. While sometimes foster care can lead to adoption and does, um, the idea of adoption, the very definition of adoption is to make your own. As in we, you and I, if we are in Christ, have been adopted into God's family. God has made us his own. That is the definition of adoption. Foster care is welcoming a child in your home who has no home, who has been displaced. It's not always about adopting. It's about, man, I want to meet the need that's there. 
a child that's been displaced. And the goal of foster care, everyone will tell you, always is reunification. So we have to stop asking, when are you going to adopt and are you going to foster to adopt? And start asking, what are we doing about all these children who have been displaced? The church should, should care about foster care because these are children who have been orphaned at least for a time, need help, need hope, and need the gospel. So I'll give you a couple things to write down that have been encouraging to me on this journey. We've been a foster family for about two years. But the first thing is this, and I've said it a bunch and I'll say it again, children in the foster care system are an unreached people group. Whether they're there for six weeks or they're there for their entire lives, they are an unreached people group. When the church wants to talk about missions, often it describes a group of people in another area of the world who look different, who speak a different language, and we've got to do something there. This number is hard to exact, but by most estimates, there are somewhere close to almost half a million children in the foster system in the U.S. today. Um, that was as of 217, almost half a million. This is a huge, unreached people group right in our backyard. And if there is truth that most Christians place faith in Christ before the age of 18, what an opportunity we have. We foster so that those who haven't had a chance to hear will hear the gospel. Man, we foster to bring hope, to bring help, to bring healing, to support. But just being really honest with you, at the top of that is we want those who would not have a chance to hear the gospel to have a chance to hear the gospel. Because there are worse things than having a hard life on earth. And that's spending eternity separated from a holy God. The gospel is our story of being adopted into God's family. The gospel is for believers. Romans 5.8 God demonstrates his love for you and I and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, we want to get that message to those who have never heard. If God has called you to foster, he will supply you with the grace necessary to go beyond your natural abilities and even cultural preferences. Praise the Lord, it needs to happen. And it's not easy. Like the cultural thing, I'm going to say this, I'm going to get in trouble, and I'm totally fine with that. My wife's not in here. Um, so like when we jumped into the foster care thing, we literally like, hey, Lord, would you just give us some not white babies? Like that was literally our prayer. And when they called, we asked that question for a lot of reasons. You can grab me and ask. I'll tell you why later. One of those, my African-American son, I wanted him to then find something there too. And then they show up with two blonde hair, blue-eyed little babies. And I'm going, what is this? Is what? What? Yeah, I'm, a little, I'm just being honest. Like, this is not good. And it's probably recorded, but I'm just being honest. And I wondered. And we started to realize that I don't know if you know this. There are many more white children in the foster care system that are in that system than any other um, men, men, men culture out there. Just things you learn about this system. Sorry to go on that. I probably should have done that. Number two. Number two, so number one, man, they're, they're an unreached people group. Number two, we want to be fathers to the fatherless. Number two, we want to be fathers to the fatherless. And one of the greatest uh, needs for adoption lies in the need for fathers, godly fathers who can point their children towards a heavenly father. If a child never sees or understands a heavenly father, they may really struggle to comprehend a heavenly father. We, men as fathers, get the privilege of pointing our children towards a heavenly father who loves them unconditionally. Hey, fathers, husbands, I have a question for you this morning. This is a hard question, so I just want to preface with that. Is God trying to speak to you regarding foster care through your wife and you're not listening? Oftentimes I hear the wife is like, I'm all on this. I can't get him to commit. Just being straight, I hear that all the time. 
I more and more believe that God is using wives and moms to very literally snatch children out of hell and bring them into a relationship with Jesus. I also believe that very many dads and husbands might be ignoring this voice because of what it may cost them. Be mad at me if you like, but please know you were warned. But let us not be men who stand before the Lord and can only give account of the physical things we've done for ourselves on earth and not for those who are in great need. Because we will give an account. If we don't foster and adopt, many children will never see a father. A godly father is not a good father. I've known good fathers who didn't know God. I know incredible fathers who don't know God. A good father puts his kids first. A godly father puts Christ first. And acknowledges that he is a sinner in need of a savior. Fathers, you have an opportunity to point families towards a heavenly father. See it as a privilege. Number three, draw distinct lines for human life. Now, we could just preach that sermon for the rest of the year, I feel like, and it wouldn't be enough. But, man, stepping in and loving foster children helps us to draw distinct lines of human life. Genesis 1.27 tells us that, that all people, even those we don't like, and we, I need to be reminded of that, okay, and maybe you do, are made in the image of God. They are image bearers. They are to reflect God's goodness, all people, to the earth. Psalm 139 says that not only that, but we are made intricately and specifically and knit together by him, and he knows us well. We were created with the privilege of being these image bearers, reflecting God's character, God's holiness, and God's goodness on earth. And the greatest way for the church to push back on abortion and the true dignity of life is not politics, but foster care and adoption. Because we can say it all we want and post about it all we want, but if we're not actively doing it, I don't know if anything's more hypocritical. So we can scream pro-life, but if we're doing nothing for the orphan, we need to shut our mouth. And if that's harsh, I just, I, yes, but it needs to be sometimes. Number four, man, our churches need to be full of foster children. Our churches need to be full of foster children. All churches Children of all ages, children of all races, ready, this is a big one, children of all needs. Non-Christians would look at our church and say, wow, you actually care. The church has the responsibility to proclaim to all orphans that God is good. We have a little bit of an experience with, with two foster children, and as I've talked to others, they have their experience, and I think very few children who enter the foster care community would ever say, there's a God that's good and cares about me, but we get this privilege and this calling to step into that space and to help proclaim to them, yes, he is good. Let me show you why. And what is your role in this? Listen, can I, and here, here's, here's where we go. It takes more than just foster parents, because some can't for a variety of reasons, what is your role? Man, it takes lawyers and accountants. It takes politicians and preachers, judges, guardian ad litem, social workers. Man, a great need is gospel-centered trauma counselors and therapists. This, this idea of trauma is, is in the last 10 years really come up and how it impacts. And we need people, we need counselors who will be, man, very good at studying and understanding trauma and the impacts it has on children, being able to come alongside them so they can move past the drama to healing, so they can know Jesus. It takes all kinds. We need people to get in there and change laws. There are some messed up laws that are keeping children in places they shouldn't be for too long a period of time. We need accountants to step in and to help these families to navigate some of these pieces. We need politicians meant to rally behind those that are unborn and born and saying, we got to do something. 
We need guardian the items and social workers that look at me that love Jesus. And that love for Jesus spills over into their love for the kids. Not all parents and families are called to have foster children in their homes, but don't miss this, but all Christians have a biblical role to play. Listen, I'll tell you one of the greatest roles you can play, period, is you come to me and say, hey, what are the names of your foster children? I'm going to write their names down. I'm just going to pray for their salvation. That unbelievable need. I'll point you towards other families as well. Man, pray for them. Pray for them. Because the thing that I've learned over and over and continue to see is the enemy. Man, the Satan hates these children and wants to see them perish. And it's coming after them. How you leverage your vocation or your future vocation, man, how can you to love those in foster care? Our declaration of the gospel by proclamation may incite a riot in our city. But our demonstration of the gospel by demonstration might actually endear people to the gospel. And what if we begin to demonstrate our understanding of the gospel and by how we loved? Number five, children in foster care are under attack. And I, I, like, we don't like to talk about that because it sounds scary and Halloween just happened, so we're not going to do that for you. Like, we don't like to talk about these things. But the reality is, and you talk to any foster parent that has or been a part of it, the children in foster care are under attack. Let me say it in some really specific ways. The evil one is roaming the earth and looking for those to devour, and he is devouring foster children. The enemy hates these children and wants to see them perish in hell. Satan always goes after the most vulnerable, it seems, where they're most vulnerable. Children in foster care are daily facing spiritual warfare. There is a battle taking place for their very souls. And families who get involved in foster care will tell you they experience those same attacks. This blew my mind, and maybe it'll blow yours the same way it did mine. 60%, over 60% of sex traffic victims in the U.S. come out of foster or group homes. I mean, this is, this, this is a mess. Feelings of hopelessness, depression, children who have experienced trauma, runaways, young adults sent out of foster care at age 18, homeless youth, youth who are LGBTQ. These factors make so many susceptible to human trafficking. If the church doesn't stand in the gap for these foster children, listen to me say it this way, local pimps will. And if you follow the news, we tend to blow past these things, but if you follow the news, just our local news, you will see these things pop up. 18-year-olds working in places they shouldn't work, trying to lower the age to 16. This came out recently. I was shocked by this. This is real, and it's happening in our city, and it's not happening far from our church. Number six, foster families endure. Foster families, this is, this is an encouragement, endure. Endure because he is worthy. The battle is worth it because the battle, we just sang about this, is not for their time on earth but rather for their souls for eternity. When I would lead mission trips, and when I do lead mission trips, I always say, hey, we don't go to meet a social or a physical need, although we will do that. We go to meet ultimately the spiritual need because that's what matters most. Heaven and hell hang in the balance. Eternity hangs in the balance, and it's the same here. And we don't endure because of our strength. We endure because Christ in us. To the foster parents who are being screamed at by a child day after day, endure because he is worthy. And to the foster mom 
who has a, had a full night of sleep and who has not had a full night of sleep in a year endure because he is worthy. And to the foster dad bathing foster kids at night only to have water thrown at them and be spit at, it happens, endure. And to the foster parent who's being bitten and scratched this week, endure. And to the foster who has awkward interactions with the birth family, endure. And to the foster parents who had to send a child back to a difficult situation, endure. Your time with that child may be the very thing that as an adult tells them there is something better. And to the foster family who is battling the courts, lawyers, and social workers for the safety of a child, endure. And to the foster parents who drive a foster child a long way to visit multiple days a week without a thank you, endure. And to the foster parent who had to say goodbye for the safety of their own family, endure. We have this cool story that I'll tell um, as I try to wrap up here. I said from the beginning, this is an unreached people group, and we do this to share the gospel with those who have never heard. Well, our foster journey has had challenges just like all, and there's been some that have been really challenging at times. And um, and, 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 and if you're being honest, there are times when you're obedient to God, but in the middle of that obedience, you go, God, why am I doing this? Did I miss it? Did I eat food and thought it was you, but it was really just bad food? Like, what, what's going on here kind of a thing? And, and, and I, I remember having one of these moments where just praying, God, God, what is happening? Did you really call us to do this or, or, or what? And, and I'm praying that, and, and we went to, after church one Sunday, um, Hunter, who you'll see in a little while, was with us, and um, we went to lunch at uh, Lenop, and we're sitting there, and um, I don't know how lunch goes with you guys, but with all my kids, like, we try to go places they can eat fast, and usually once we sit, they're just scarfing, and so when you go to the Mexican restaurant, the chips get out of the basket immediately, it feels like, and so chips are being just destroyed, and Hunter is sitting between Beth and I, kind of standing more than sitting, and he puts his hands on our shoulders, and everybody's eating chips, and I'm eating chips, and mom's eating chips, and everybody's eating chips and salsa, and Hunter puts his hands on his shoulders, and after a really just tumultuous week, and he just closes his eyes and goes, Jesus. And then he just kind of mumbles some things that we didn't understand. And, and I looked at Beth and she looked at me and we just broke down in Lenop and just cried. Because in that moment, we saw the point. No matter the challenges we face and the things we walk through, we saw a kid for the first time see that there's something better than he'd ever experienced on earth. That he couldn't have even experienced through us. And that's Jesus. And so that those who haven't heard the gospel We'll have a chance to hear the gospel. We're going to simply conclude today by doing something different. We can't just go preach on the orphan and say, all right, go do it. Um, but here's what I want to do. Today's called Stand Sunday for a reason. Um, first of all, I'm just really going to ask two questions, and at the end I'm going to ask everybody to stand, and we'll close out standing together. But if you are a foster family or were or had any participation being a foster family, I don't know if anybody's in here, would you stand up? Always curious. We want to honor you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Cool. I'll stand for my family. Stay up standing, please. Yeah, represent. Thank you. If you have ever served a foster family in any way or you have plans on becoming a foster family, would you stand? If you've babysat, cooked a meal, given a gift card, if you're planning on doing it, if you've done anything ever, would you stand? Awesome, awesome. Yeah, amazing. If you'd be willing to do something, even just pray. Would you be willing to stand right now? Cool. If you're not standing and you just want to say, hey, I want to be part of this, I don't know what that role is, you can stand now as well. And we want to stand, and our act of standing now as we close in prayer and then sing, we're not going to sit for the rest of the services. It's just a way to acknowledge that there is a need that needs to be met, and Lord, will you use us, whatever that means. 
And I would encourage you to pray that as we sing. Lord, whatever this means for me, would you lead me in obedience and courage to do this? Because for some, it may just be, I, just, I need to pray. I need some names that I can pray and that they will know Jesus. So maybe you want to get more active than that. Um, and if you want to get more active than that, I know we're still getting things started, and I don't have anything to send you to to mobilize you yet. Would you come find me after? And I'd be glad to connect you with a foster family or give you some proactive steps. Let me pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you that because we believe your gospel, Lord Jesus, we want others to believe it. We pray, God, that you would help our hearts to believe that you are good and there's no good apart from you. God, today was a heavy message. I know that, God, but it is important and it matters. God, and for those foster parents who are with us and those who were or still are, God, those who are at home watching because they just couldn't get it together or even get out the door. God, we pray that you would encourage, you would draw them to you, remind them to endure that the battle is worth it. God, and we pray that you would use Refuge Church, God, to change the lives of kids through the gospel, God, who may be caught in an unhealthy, displaced place in their life. God, would you draw us to you? God, would you stir us towards commitment and stir us towards action? God, we need you and we love you.